Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Welcome in Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast listeners out there. Thank you for tuning in. We're always talking everything college hoops. Thanks to Blog Talk Radio for powering us up. Thanks to Bell Jar for bringing us in and out with our intro music. You could have been anywhere else on the dial. Thanks for carving out some time to spend with us, Mike and Gus. We appreciate that. The NBA Finals are in full swing. The deadline for the NBA draft has passed. Do you think we have a couple things we can we can share with the listeners out there that we need to talk about? It's well known that you were very calm under pressure when we were playing high school basketball together. And I was not. We clearly know that. Remember the Weehawken game where you had to tell the coach to take him out because I lost my mind? Okay, with Kenny. No, no, no. I, I didn't say take him out. Kenny, I, I Kenny, Wade, Kenny Wade and I were going back and forth. I just lost my mind, okay? <laughs> I don't think, though, Gus, even in all my – you know, again, I, I was a D guy, pass guy, not a shoot guy. Gus would hit the big ice, ice vein shots. I wouldn't – I don't think I ever forgot the number, the score. I, I don't think – correct me if I'm wrong. I think I always knew the score. When we were playing when we were playing Rutherford, I knew to pass you the ball, okay, at the end of the game when we, it was tied. Because we were – yeah, we were – no, no, we were down three. Right, and that's what's amazing. If it was track, I want the baton, but in basketball – you could you couldn't repel the ball out of my hand fast enough in key situations to you, but I did always know the score, right? I don't think I ever forgot the score. I, I just don't understand. I, I I don't get it. Why do you not know time and score in that situation, Jr. What are you doing? Like what? I don't understand. Uh, you know what's funny part? Of, you know I kind of like Jr. Smith. I I, I gravitate I gravitate towards these streaky players that can have thirty points and then zero. Maybe it's the oh. NBA jamming me, right? But, but like I can't defend this one. What are you doing? I, and and the Twitter memes have been incredible. So 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 frustrating. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, just think about like what LeBron's. But like think of somebody like I don't know. Think of like Kevin Love. Right, that like has like you know totally emptied the tank trying to guard yeah. everybody on the moon as, as best as he can, and 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 then he has to deal with that. Yeah, terrible. Yeah. It, it, right, it, so- it evoked memories of Fred Brown back in the '80s. It evoked memories of the Weber timeout, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. it was just it is what it is. But hey, it happened, baby. We it happened. It, it, it's one of those like all time gaffes that I think people will go back and reference time after time, much like you just referenced like Brown and Weber's. I think this will be one that I think it'll fall in line with that and be in the same category for sure. It's just frustrating because if they win that game, two's a throwaway, and tonight is must must see TV, right? Uh, oh, so, it's it's crucial. It's so if the Cavs somehow win tonight, then I feel game four is must watch TV. Cavs get tonight, then you're like, oh well, if they can win two at home, right? But that game one was the game. That was well, the, that, fall- that was the game. Yeah, it falls back on the, on like you know the age old premise, like it, you know this series has to start until the home yes, game yes. loses a game, the home team loses a game. So it, you know if Cleveland wins tonight, then it's just you know the, the series is just holding serve. It's, yes. it's following the game plan. It's following the script. But hey, put it this way: J.R. Smith evidently is doing much better than Isaac Haas is. Did you see this? That Isaac Haas is uh, was dating two girls. This is all over Reddit, and I guess one of his girlfriends got hold of the Twitter account. Okay, so Isaac Haas, we, we, I call him Drago. He's your guy. We like him. Uh, evidently, you know, maybe he's wiping Jr. off the front page. I don't know. I just, you know, off-season off college basketball topics. <laughs> Isaac Haas. Seems like, yeah, it seems like Isaac is a little busy. <laughs> he took advantage of his senior year at college. It seems like June podcasting. Here we go. NBA draft get here soon. Sorry, Parker. Go ahead. All right. Speaking of the Big Ten. Uh, let, let's get into the uh, romantic overtures that the Pistons put out there for Coach Beeline from Michigan. He he obviously turned those down as returning to Michigan. Do you think, and I have some thoughts on this too, do you think it made sense 
for the Pistons to explore hiring Coach Beeline as their head coach for their program after Stan Van Gundy. And do you think the move was warranted but on their end? And do you think it's a good move that he you know, rejected it and went back to Michigan after making a run to the title game? Partner, I give you all the credit in the world here. My back has been out. We took a ride up to the in-laws. I was walking very slow, trying to go in their outdoor or outdoor pool to get loose. And we were texting back and forth when I was up right. there about this. And your immediate reaction on text was that this was a money grab. Um, and listen, maybe Beeline didn't do it on purpose for a money grab. Money grab. Maybe he did. But in the end, that's what it turned out to be because they mm-hmm. upped his contract back to $4 million. And you know I love John Beeline. I have no problem with it. I do right. think, Gus, that Detroit's interest was real because I think that if you look now, the type of – College coaches that have had success in the pros tend to be these very respectable, calm type of guys. Your, uh, your Brad, Brad Stevens, your Quinn Snyder, right? And Beeline is an older, respectful, you know, he demands respect. He's a brilliant offensive coach, right? And the NBA is pretty much Absolutely. an offensive league now, right? So I think Detroit was interested. I can't tell you if Beeline was. But in the end, I'm happy to see him back, man. And I'll tell you, I love to see the guy get a title because that's really the only thing missing from his resume. He doesn't need that to go to the Hall of Fame. He certainly doesn't. But I I would love to see him get it. And he's gotten the two finals. He lost to Louisville or he didn't lose because the banners have been stripped. And then he basically – and then he ran into Clay Thompson. So, I I mean, he's had quite a run. Wow. He's had quite a run. Nice nice reference there. Uh, Here's just my two thoughts on this. And uh, I mean, you know, when we were texting back and forth, I I mentioned money grab. But I also mentioned like – Look, if you're in the position that he's in, why wouldn't you go at least, I don't know, take an exploratory visit to some of these opportunities that are now afforded to you because of the clout that you hold um, after this amazing season that you just completed? I think Beeline went into this interview with like the opportunity with the view of it like being an information grab on his end too. I think he wanted to see like, okay, is this a real offer? What are the opportunities that this, uh, this job opportunity, this job will afford me. And then is this something that is sustainable for me long-term? And then what can I learn from this interview, from talking to these NBA minds, get picking some ideas? Uh, what can I take from the conversation? So I think Beeline went into it with a complete open mind, thinking like, okay, can I do an information grab here and then bring something back to better me in the job that I'm currently in? Or is this something that I actually want to explore moving forward? So I can see him looking at it through a very wide scope, like he probably does with everything in life, and saying like, how can I better myself from this, from this uh, situation and this environment? And what can I bring back to Michigan if I decide to go back to Michigan? And then, of course, one of the things that you brought back to Michigan is like, hey, I just interviewed with the Pistons. I'm seriously thinking about it. Is there anything you can do to change my mind? And then, boom, there comes the extension and then we're good. Yeah, right? I, I just you, – you, you totally nailed it. You had a, a hook, line, sinker. I I didn't think – and again, I, I feel like I know John Beeline because I've been so close to Michigan, right? I, I don't think he would go just to get money. So maybe that's what it was. Right. Maybe he's like, I'm 65 years old. Let me take a look at it. Let me see what they have to say. And I certainly don't think Detroit brought him in unless they were serious about him. I think the Pistons want to turn the, the franchise around. Chuck Daly, another brilliant offensive mind, had a, had a lot of success there. So Flip Saunders was there for a while, did a decent job. So I think it was genuine. I'm great to see him back. I agree with everything you just said. 
a good question would have been what happens to his assistants if he leaves. So I think he's a loyal guy. And let's go, baby. Let's bring Michigan back and go after that uh, Big Ten title. Uh, I'm with you. And then, like, again, kudos to you because, you know, we argued during the preseason and kind of throughout the season of, like, who would have the better season? Who would have the better result? Who would have the better outcome between Purdue and Michigan? Um, you know, Purdue finished second in the Big Ten, got the, the number two seed, Michigan right behind them, and then Michigan makes a run to the title game. So I think somehow in the long run, I, I think you ended up winning that argument. No, even no, I was no. kind of ahead the whole season. No, yeah. I think it was a tie. It's a true tie because the, 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 the debate was based on the regular season, and Purdue beat them and, and won in the regular season, a hook, line, and sinker. Um, afterwards, Vince Edwards, low hurt. I certainly have to acknowledge that. Right. Uh, I, I underestimated Carson Edwards. He was much better than I thought he was. Isaac Haas's development was incredible, but Purdue won. That's it. I did think Michigan was going to be a lot better than people thought they were, so I'm happy about that. I'll take the victory there. Okay, but yeah. but in you're, the end, I think, I think it's a classic tie. I think you won the regular season. The postseason, certainly Michigan got hot. And it's amazing, man, how how fragile things are. I mean, that three-pointer doesn't go in there. I mean, they're so eliminated, true. right? As a, and that was a far one. So, But in the end, he's a great coach, and that's what I was banking on. He's a great coach in a conference that right now does not have your traditional powers. At you know, I thought Michigan State obviously was up there, but I expected to be Michigan State, Michigan, Purdue. That's what I thought was going to happen. Indiana's now getting better. Beeline's a great coach, and I'm very happy for him. So I think if we're just going to like, you know, hit the fast forward button and do a little prognostication here, uh, I think overall the Big Ten will be uh, – I think the, the the talent and the success will be spread a bit. Uh, I think they'll get more than the four teams they got last year in the NCAA tournament. However, I don't know if they'll have that powerhouse team like your Michigan that makes the run to the final, like your Purdue that got the two seed, like Michigan State where they were predicted to – make the, uh, you know, a bunch of people predict them to make the Final Four out of their bracket with Duke and everything. So maybe they won't have that high-profile team, but I think the overall success of the conference will increase. I mean, here's some things to think about. <laughs> Michigan loses uh, Abdur Rahman, Duncan Robinson, loses Moritz Wagner, Charles Matthews coming back, Xavier Simpson's back, Livers, Poole. I mean, that's a decent team, right? They have a good recruiting class, Brandon Johns, Ignis Bradzieskis, I think I'm saying that right. Michigan State's certainly going to be up there. Uh, Ward came back, right? Cassius Winston, Langford, the whole thing. Uh, Nebraska, Copeland and Palmer? No? They're, that's going to be an interesting team. I'm with you. and the, Yeah, I think they might be one of those teams that might surprise in the Big Ten this year. I'm with you on that. Uh, Wisconsin should be decent, right? Because he uh, – Without question, I think you can I think you can pencil in Hap somewhere. Hap came on back, your, right? Yeah, somewhere on your third team, All-America. And then the perimeter players are all coming back and then have a year of experience. And you, you love David's – like obviously because he – you know he, he he plays with the with the separated shoulder. He's tough as nails. So they do have some experience to surround Hap with with some shooters. I like what Wisconsin's going to do. You feel like they have a bounce back year without question. Um, and then you know you 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 think that Purdue will be decent. No, yeah, with, oh, oh no, they, Harms right? Harms is back. I don't like yeah, the hair, Harms, but Carson and, Edwards Eastern, right? Absolutely, right, right. Yeah, they they have pieces as well. So I think on I think if we're looking like broad scope, I think the Big Ten as a whole, I think they'll be. They'll get more teams in the tournament, but will one of those will one of those teams replicate what Michigan was able to do this past season and make that deep run the championship game of the Final Four? That's to be determined. We're not sure yet. They got the Dartmouth kid Boudreaux, right? Freshman guard Eric Hunter. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, certainly this is this is where I like Purdue. 
right? You know, <laughs> because I, I again I thought they were too little, too high. Now I think people they're going to be sleep under the radar. Indiana, of course, will be massively interesting. Yes, you, you know, you have you have Romeo Langford, you have Juwan Morgan coming back. He's got a great recruiting class with with the wing Jerome Hunter. So yeah, I think it's a very very interesting year in the Big Ten, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, I think the Big Ten is going to be well worth paying attention to, mm-hmm. and it's nice that Beeline's going to come back and do his thing. And you know what? I think he will get an unbelievable ovation from that first home uh, game yeah. yep. from the crowd for him coming back. I think that'll be I think that'll be a really nice moment for him and well, a really nice moment for the program. Bingo, without question. bingo, bango. Uh, all right. Speaking of coaches that you know may or may not be on the move, Mike. I think we got to talk about Mike Davis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Davis was at Texas Southern. I uh, took Texas Southern to four NCAA tournaments. Uh, if you remember way back in the Wayback Machine, uh, he was the coach at Indiana, and he took Indiana all the way to the title game with that Jared Jeffries team. Uh, and I felt like Jared Jeffries was kind of a little bit ahead of the curve as far as mm-hmm. like unique NBA wings that could do a little bit of everything. He was kind of positionless before it was cool to be positionless. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that Indiana team was really impactful in that manner. Um so he moves to Detroit Mercy. He leaves Texas Southern. Uh, Detroit Mercy's been down since the Ray McCullen uh, years where they made the tournament. I think that was uh, 2011, 2012, maybe like six-ish years ago. And, you know, they haven't been – they haven't had that success since then. So why not bring in a coach that has a Final Four appearance, can navigate the high pressure of like a one-bid conference tournament with a sub-500 overall record – and you know, bring him in to run your program and get things on the up and up. And he he's proven that he can do this on multiple levels. He can bring in some transfers. He can bring in kids for the second chance opportunity. Or he could just coach at a very high level like he did at Indiana. So you feel like Mike Davis is like this very versatile coach that can really get a program going in the right direction. And again, they were that team that you picked to pull that one sixteen upset and for that first half against Xavier, they were very live. That was a that was a single digit game. Uh interesting. So Detroit Mercy needed this because they had the whole situation where they fired uh, Bakari Johnson, who was the yeah. head coach. Uh, I'm sorry, Bakari Alexander, who was the head coach, he said something back on November 6th in a huddle. Rumor was he made an obscene gesture and said something with that. Uh, the player was upset. So they got rid of him. They needed interim. You're bringing Mike Davis. Class personified is what Mike Davis is. He, he is a, a good, real good basketball coach. Certainly is one in multiple places. I think his son is now going to be transferring. He's supposed to come to Texas Southern. Now he's going to Detroit. He believes the best way to get teams ready is to schedule up, right? Remember last yep. year he had what was he 0-17, whatever it was. I, I, I was going to say 0-13. He took a bunch of bye games, but he took those games, you know, toughening up his squad. But he also took those games to you know make money for the for the university. That's it, and he made but a whole lot of money. Not, he is not afraid to schedule. No, 0-13, partner. Here it is. Didn't play a home game until January. They played Kansas, Gonzaga, Clemson, Ohio State, TCU, Syracuse, and Baylor, among others. Made him a lot of money, great hire, brings validity to the program, and Detroit Mercy. We've seen it before, like you said, man. Yeah, so I, I think that this is a great hire for them. I, and there's still a couple of programs that are working without a coach. And the fact that uh, you know Detroit Mercy was able to you know pull this like kind of under the radar and get like a very national recognized coach, really great move by them and great move by their AD. I'm gonna call this the anti-Scott Cross move. 
This yes, is like yes, yes, well done. The you know Cross did everything that you want your coach to do at a mid major. Gave some national relevancy. My guy bias, them. man. AD yeah. wanted my guy. My guy yeah. bias. That's what that is. Yeah, I don't. I, and, and so this seems like the total opposite move. And I, I say kudos, Mike Davis, great hire. Um, and it's a shame that like you know other programs like the you know like getting rid of Scott Cross. It just it's it seems it seems silly. It seems and silly. and Mike Davis from the SWAC to the Horizon, good conference. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I think uh, I think he can actually get some work done on the horizon, and I don't think he'll be intimidated at all after you know you know grinding his teeth in the Big Ten with Indiana and getting to a title game. I think that's a perfect situation. Okay, Mike, another conference that has a little shakeup or a little change is the Sun Belt. Fun Belt. Sun Belt. Fun Belt. Doctor Tony's favorite, the Fun Belt. I think he likes it. <laughs> Hashtag Fun Belt, right? Yeah. Uh, so th- they've decided to take some things into their own hands. We'll call it the Sun Belt 2.0. They've made adjustments to the end of the conference schedule to create more meaningful opportunities to aid in the overall team and conference metrics, whether it be Ken Palm, RPI, top 50, top 100, top 150 wins, those types of stats. This is exactly why teams schedule tough non-conference games, i.e. Texas Southern, who we just mentioned, and i.e. not St. Mary's, who doesn't want to play anybody, uh, they are controlling the controllables within the current construct that defines success. Number one, postseason invites. And number two, money from those postseason invites. Uh, They're going to partner with uh, additional conferences to create further opportunities out of conference, like a conference on conference, like a matchup, like the Big Ten uh, ACC. And look at the success that the Mountain West Conference had versus the Valley. So they, they, they've done this for the past couple of years. And this year, this page, huge dividends. Look at Nevada's run to the Sweet 16 and look at Loyola's run to the Final Four. So this is just smart thinking, out-of-the-box thinking and controlling the controllables that the Sun Belt is up to. Uh, the end of their conference schedule is going to be just like the NFL like flex schedule on Sunday night. They're going to flex games. It's going to help their conference the most. Um, so, Mike... Here are some things that I was thinking about when they decided to release this and, and, and move forward with this. I think there's like some uh, unseen fringe benefits, like maybe a 500-ish team gets on a run, finds success, and then gets rolling through the conference tournament and grabbing the auto invite, which is just like similar to the current construct that exists right now in any mid-major. But then maybe one of those top teams and their resume now holds the option late in the season to influence the metrics uh, for the committee. Vet, the committee and, and 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 they they now value something a little bit more, and they can can control that. Whereas before, it was just like, okay, we have the auto bid, and that's about it. So, talk to me a little bit about what you think about the Sun Belts attempting to do here, and maybe think about. What, what do you think one of the outcomes might be that we might see or not see? Very excited about this partner. I think the – and listen, we think college basketball is the best sport around. We love it. I think the only elephant in the room is the part about how the regular season, except to the diehard junkies like ourselves, doesn't matter. That, that's kind of what you hear. You know, People say, wake me up in the tournament sort of thing. So the I love it. I love the changes. Starting in 2019, 2020, my favorite part of this – is based on the resulting standings of the first 16 games in the Sun Belt. Teams will then be placed in the four pods, pod A, number one, number two, number three, 
four, yeah. five, six puppy. And each team will play the other two pod members once home and once away for the final four games of the schedule. I love that. You have now basically said, here are your top three teams. I think they said two divisions, right? They said there's eight mm-hmm. and eight. So the right. top three teams overall now, Gus, we're playing against each other. So those are going to be highly attended games. They're going to be games that matter. They're going to be games against other really good teams. It's going to battle for the conference title, which will get the competitive juices going. And it sets you forward for the seeding. So I like it. I like the coaches thinking outside the box. We made fun of the ACC coaches, but there were some good ideas there. I like what they're trying to do. You have to evolve with the game. Okay, things evolve. We don't deliver mail by Pony Express anymore. Okay, <laughs> so the, the sport is beautiful. They've made some changes. They're trying to get scoring up. I'm fine with that. And I love that now we're creeping back the games that matter, quote unquote, until now February a little bit, right? The pod system. So I'm all for this. Well done, Fun Belt. I, I'm with you on this as far as well done by the Sun Belt. Here's the other part that I really like too. And I hope that this is somehow like another tweak that they do like moving on. How about not only are they going to match up the top teams to maybe help with those metrics that the uh, selection committee is going to value and maybe you get a slight uptick in some of those? Sure. Yeah. But good, ha- good home and away games. Yeah. The pot, the um, The tier system. Very well said. Absolutely. Yep. But how about this? How about for the teams that are sub 500? How about if we just like match up like some good old fashioned rivalries, right? So let's say like there's a couple of teams that are down in the Sun Belt and then we can just match match up like some uh, interstate rivalries or some traditional rivalries for those two games. Like those will also be well attended. Like the fan bases will get behind those those games as well. So if they can tweak it that way, I think uh, similarly like they're going to tweak the front end to cater to the teams that have an opportunity to maybe get a you know an at-large bid or at least bolster their at-large bid chances maybe they can also take a look at the bottom feeders whoever that may be that particular year and then match up some uh you know traditional rivalries or something like that so at least those teams can also look forward to something and maybe have some bragging rights uh going into the off season so i think i think this is like Win, win, win. I think this is a great move by them, paying attention to the landscape of the sport and then adjusting to that and then saying, like, look, we're going to control what we can control inside our conference and we're going to make give the team that we want to send to the tournament the best chance that they can have. Yeah, absolutely. And this doesn't start until 1920, but it's got the two conferences. It's got the East, which is Appalachian State, Coastal Carolina, Georgia Southern, Georgia State, South Alabama, and Troy. like how they left Georgia Southern and Georgia State in the same division That's there. That's kind of what I was going you for. You got there. it. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and the West, same thing. Little Rock, Arkansas State. There you go. Louisiana, ULM, Texas Arlington, Texas State as well. Texas State, Texas Arlington, very underrated battle as well. So love it. Looking forward to it. Right, so let's let, uh, that's kind of, that that actually the Texas State uh, Texas Arlington one was the one I was kind of thinking of. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say both of those guys are having a down year, and if you could match those guys up for a, for a home and home series, yeah, like that would be great, right? Heck like that would yeah. be amazing for those those two fan bases. Even though if you know, let's say, okay, we have a down year, we're 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 not going to make the tournament. You know, we're not. You know, we're sub five hundred. That's okay. It, the fact that they could have three cracks at it, I think that makes I think that makes sense. That's fun. Uh, and that would be fun in conference, maybe not like globally or uh, nationally, but that would be fun for those two fan bases. I'm with you on that. That, Agreed, that, that sounds amazing. 100%. Um, and then I had a big question mark next to our uh, next uh, topic, and I just might run through it, and then we just might move forward with it. Um, one of the things that uh, has come up in sports is 
uh, White House visits. And then, of course, we had uh, Villanova. Will they take their White House visit for their championship run? Who knows? And all I just wanted to say was I think the lines between sports and real life are, like, blurrier than ever. Uh, sports are traditionally viewed as, like, the escape from life's trappings. Like, you know, we watch the NBA Finals or you watch the World Cup or whatever it might be. And it, allow, it allows you to be, like, irrational. And, Mike, I think you mentioned this, like, on your private podcast. Like, it allows you to paint your face and, and be silly and, and act as you would not normally be accepted. So sports allows that escape. But it just seems like there's not as much escape in the current climate. And, like, the sports and the uh, the platform in which it provides is stronger than it's ever been before. And it's part of, like, the sports consumption now equation. And I'm not sure if that's going to change. So – it just seems something to pay attention to. And it's, I think it's just a question for the listeners out there. Like, what, do you think they'll go to the White House? Does it matter if they go? And it, I think it's just something to keep in the back of your mind. And then, like, also it allows you to, like, let's really latch on to the part of sports that we love that lets us escape and lets us be irrational and lets us let go of the things that we hold so tightly onto. So that I think that's all we're all, all I was going to go with it. Um and then, Mike, if you, got, if you got anything to add there, like jump in. When we get to sports, you know, I, I just want to celebrate our champions. I want to celebrate right. our champions because, like you said, sports is our biggest escape. We're passionate about it. There was a lot of FBI negative fog that went on this year around college basketball. So I'm really looking to have some more positivity go into right. it. I want to talk more about Mike Hopkins buying $15,000 worth of Starbucks gift cards for the Washington fans with his bonus for coach of the year. Those are the awesome. type of stories I want to talk about. I want to hear right. about Mike Hopkins Santa Claus rally. That's what I want. Okay. So I, let's get rid of the FBI fog and negativity. Let's get back to the great sport of college basketball. Let's have more discussions on how on earth you're going to reset the shot clock to 20 seconds when the ball hits the rim <laughs> and Mike Hopkins having a cafe mocha. Okay. That, that's just my two Okay. <laughs> I kind of like it. All right. But again, we just want to throw it out there for you guys to think about. Fans, do with it what you will. Uh, and then, Mike, let's just end up with some uh, NBA Finals thoughts, which also t- or, you know, we'll try to tie into the upcoming NBA draft and some of the players that we paid attention to this past college basketball season. Yeah, let's do it. And by the way, Gus, I'm very excited because Kansas, did you hear that? This They're going to face New Mexico State in the Sprint Center in Kansas City. So I just want to announce right away that that game's not a home game, right? So on December 8th, Kansas is going to face New Mexico State, guys. Again, Kansas fans, doesn't count, right? Kansas City, not the same as Kansas, okay? You're playing in New Jersey. You're playing in Trenton. You're playing in New York. You're playing in Brooklyn. Different, different. You cannot play in New York City and Brooklyn. Different boroughs. Can't do it, right? So can can I just go like really personal here? New Mexico State favorite in that game? I mean, it's a home game for New Mexico State, isn't it? <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I couldn't take a shot. Sorry. So, Rolf so Dean here, tweeted, here, how to say it, how to say it. Here, here's the corollary. corollary. I'll go with it. Uh, do the Jets and Giants play I, I home can, games can. ever then? I guess I can. I understand what the Kansas fans are saying, but right, that's right. still I, I, a home no. game, guys. Yes. It still counts as a loss. It's a, it's a, it's a home environment. I'm you know, somebody's going to send me a Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. Myself at Randall Rant. Gus at Currents 12 the pod oh. at SDS Podcast. Of course, somebody's going to tweet me. Yeah, you know what, Mike? They may have lost to Kansas City, but had that league title work out. I know. You got me. Well done. That's true. <laughs> you know, that's a great point. Like, how, I, long, I know. how long right. till I hype Kansas State next year to win the Big 12? <laughs> I, I, I'm going to have him in the top 10, that's for sure. <laughs> Here we go. You know, and, and speaking of like the uh, logistical parts of the podcast, we just want to say thanks. I want to say thanks to Geezer90 out there. Thank you, Geezer90. He left a nice, positive review. 
They need on, a Starbucks uh, gift card. <laughs> he might need a Starbucks gift we card. We should raffle Mike. one of those off. Besides the three screw shirts, guys, maybe we'll raffle off a gift card in honor of Mike Hopkins. And we'll do anything to get retweeted, you know. <laughs> uh, listen, if, if, that, yeah. How about this? Mike and I will put it in the think tank over the weekend, and we'll come up with some sort of a giveaway slash a trivia question or something where we will send out a, a Starbucks gift card in honor of Mike Hopkins. That sounds great. Or we'll give away a bottle of water in honor of a Fran Duffy. Of Fran Duffy. Right. Spilled or unspilled bottle of water. Sponsored by Pellegrino. I was going to say smart water. Smart water, much better. Thank you. Much better. Yes, thank you. I like I like the sparkling. I don't know why. All right. I don't like this. I'm not down with the sparkling. Um, So (laughs) we just want to say thank you to Geezer90. Geezer90 left a great review on uh, Apple uh, Podcasts. Thank you, Geezer90. Cheers, ahoy, out to you. And we also want to say thank you to Sock in Shop. He also left a great review, off-season review. He said, quote, these guys know their stuff. Thank you guys for leaving an off-season review for the Screen to Screener College Basketball Podcast. Uh, cheers, Salancha, grazie, grazie to you guys. So thank you. Um, and if you like what you're listening to, you know, just follow suit. Do exactly what Geezer90 did. Uh, take a moment, hit up uh, Apple iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, and leave a nice review. And if you do that, you'll get a little shout-out on the podcast, just like those two fine uh, gentlemen. Thank you very much, gentlemen. We appreciate it. Um, and I guess, yeah, I guess the last part, Mike, is um, do, do we want to talk a lot about LeBron in game one? And like, I mean, I, I want to say something what, very quickly. I feel yeah, what in the, I don't know how you feel about this. LeBron James has been phenomenal. He's been Jordan-esque. And I'm a guy who says Jordan's the best player ever. He has been at the same level that we saw at Michael Jordan's high point. He's he's dominating. He's shooting 56, yeah. the whole thing. OK, I will say this, Gus. He's not getting the MVP from a losing team. He's not getting it when you have Curry and tonight Durant's going nuts. I can't give it to him. I'm fine giving it to him if the other team is the Detroit Pistons of the 2000s where Rip, baby Rip Hamilton had like 15 points, but they have some studs there. I don't want to see him get the MVP. He is the MVP. He's the best player on planet Earth and probably on Mars as well. But I I think, Gus, if they lose to the Warriors, you got to give it to Curry or Durant. I'm sorry. I I, I just, it's my opinion. uh, Well, yes. How about this? How about they give it to somebody that you know deserves it, not give it to Iguodala or somebody of that nature again? Like give it to one of your studs. I'm with you on that. Not no, not selling Iguodala short, but like that that seemed odd. It seemed yeah, good place. point. And you know what? And Mrs. Randall got very upset the other night because she's a big LeBron fan. She she said this, and I agree with her. Draymond Green knows exactly what he's doing. When he poked LeBron on the eye, it was, in, it was intentional. 100% was intentional. You, the, he knows. He knows where his hands are, even when he's not looking at his hands. So did he Did he do that thing like the, the dude from Iowa did? Remember the guy from Iowa? Oh, that, like, yeah. Good call. In the yeah, yeah to, right. listen. It, here's the thing. I know because I used to have to do it, okay? Like, you, you it's not an accident. It's not, right. He doesn't accidentally trip people. Uh, it's, it's very Grayson Allen-esque, okay? I have to tell you. Listen, and I understand Dennis Rodman. So, you, so you're making a Draymond Green, Grayson Allen corollary. Oh, there's no doubt, Gus. If he ah. when he does these cheap, sh- then the groin kicks. How many? Yeah. How many people have you accidentally kicked in the groin on jump shots in your well, life? Well, if you're Stephen Adams, a couple times. Right. I mean, like so. Uh, that's my point. I'm sorry. We're way off tangent here. I'm telling right. you, he yeah. does it on purpose. Yeah. Mrs. Randall's livid about it. She says it's garbage, and she's totally right. However, he is very valuable to that team. And I will tell you this. Ready for this one, man? Gun to your head. Quick reaction. Top of your head. Yeah. Draymond Green, Hall of Famer, yes or no? No. I think he. I I know, but I think he could get in if they win another title. <laughs> and talk uh, about landing in the right spot. Yeah. Oh my. God. I'm with you. I'm not saying he should be. I'm just saying yeah. it could happen. 
P.S. He's not shooting it straight right now. So if he if he <laughs> continues to shoot it like this the rest of his career, wow. I mean, he just a mess out. Gus, Stephen Curry has four points. He's one of 14 from the field and 0 of 9 from three-point range. I mean, we were talking off air how they really, like, they, they did a great job on scouting him, like him being Curry, uh, really well this particular game. And it seems like they have a couple of things figured out on the defensive end, that being one of them. But, yeah, holy uh, – but it, it, you got to give it to Durant. Um, and I guess the other part that we'll close up with, just to make sure we're, you know, we're going – Sorry, I just college, killed Gus's whole college, segment there. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. college basketball here. Like, you know, we got to keep it, keep it real. Sorry. Uh, there's two guys on both sides that are getting way – that's getting much more playing time and having way more impact than I thought we – would think if we were at the all-star break and if I told you like, Hey, you know what? Looney's going to play big minutes. Yeah. And and how about this? And you know what? Jeff Green's going to play a big role. Like, I don't think either one of us would have been like, who, what are you, are you kidding me? So Mike, do you think that like Looney is maybe giving a little bit more value for that? Like second tier of bigs in the 2018 draft, like uh, uh, Mitchell Robinson or maybe a, our guy uh, Chemezi Metu, or maybe McCoy from UNLV. Uh, do you think that like he is because of his play and because of his impact and the way that he is influence, influencing the finals in a positive way? Is he maybe improving the draft stock of those second tier bigs this year? Looney was round one pick 30, 2015. Mm-hmm. So you and I love the late round, first round, second round guys. You we always love do- the final- you, yeah. you, you got to redo that pod where you predicted if the second round guys are going to go last year. It was incredibly accurate. I think you got like at least six to the right team and and spot, which is incredible. I like Kevon Looney. I want to root for these guys who are late in the first round and this early second round. Yes, I think it shows you timing is everything and landing spot matters. It totally does. If you get in the right system, I'll tell you right now, we love Jordan Bell. Okay. Jordan right. Bell is not doing what he's doing. He's on a team where he doesn't have to shoot. He doesn't have to dribble. He has to weak side rebound, which in his case is dunking. He's in the right. perfect team. If you get on the right team, you can make an impact. Absolutely. Clint Capella, perfect example. Oh, yeah. great. Two great examples. And also, I think your, your uh, phrase of landing point for both Looney and Bell, like they are both in the perfect situation. Yeah. Like I think if you put any one of the guy, any one of the bigs that we just mentioned in that situation, I think they would also reap the benefits of playing with you know, like you mentioned, like Hall of Famers, uh, all-time great players, all-time great shooters. And then how about Jeff Green? Do you think Jeff Green is adding value to like uh, Kate Bates-Diop, uh, maybe Kevin Knox, maybe uh, Michael Porter Jr., or maybe like, you know, lesser swing guys that are bigger and can shoot it, like Kevin Hervey, or maybe Kendrick Williams? Do you think like maybe those guys are looked at in a different light because Green is having such an influence on the finals on the Cavs side? Absolutely. And, and I know Bill Simmons was talking the other day that he hates the fact that Jeff Green is doing so well because <laughs> know, Jeff yeah, Green's so frustrating. Right, right, no, right. but Jeff Green, of course, got the, the health scare back in, I think it was 2012. So, yeah, he's 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 bringing that sort of you know positionless basketball, can be a guard, can be a forward, can rebound, can pass, can assist, can be a three-point shooter. He's doing a great job, which is fantastic because Nevada is going to win the national title this year. So positionless basketball will really take off, right? I think that'll be <laughs> Oh, I can't wait. I can't. I'm so glad those guys are back. It is like every and, – and, and, you know, every preseason top 25 that you see now has those guys properly placed like in the top 10 and even in the top five in some places. So They'll have home games in Nevada and then they'll have a home game when they actually play Kansas and Kansas City if that game ever happens. So that's exciting. <laughs> 
Did you see that they're gonna they uh they have they've scheduled a game with USC, which is ah uh, excellent, excellent. Yeah. Do you That's think both sides. do you think they pick Nevada or Kansas City if they get their choice as the number one seed? Wait, wait. Stop. It. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Wendell Carter, by the way, Gus, really quick, saying that his teammates yeah. couldn't show off all their strengths. Normally, I dismiss this. I actually think he may be true. He was saying you commit to a system and Duke is a system. Somebody from that team is going to be really, really good in the NBA. I wouldn't be surprised if Carter was the best. He was saying we all had to sacrifice a little bit of our individuality for the team. And if Grayson Allen's shot rolls in, they're in a Final Four. So interesting. I'm really excited about this NBA draft, see where people land. Landing spot matters. Do you feel like Wendell Carter might be a little bit of Carl Anthony Towns or Anthony Davis where his stats were not what – they're not like DeAndre Ayton's stats – due to the team construct that he was playing in and then maybe has this like mini explosion in the NBA like Cat yes. uh, and, and, and Davis did. I'm warming. I'm warming to Wendell Carter. Yeah. He's thick. He's a big yeah. body. I, you know, I understand we he need to – He a little bit, yeah. He can. I know he's, he's not as much Euro big as he is back to the basket, but I'm with you. Absolutely could. And it got right, well, yeah. A couple more Frappuccinos from uh, Mike Hopkins and he'll gain some more weight, yeah. Uh, coach of the year bonus. That was really sweet. Sounds good. All right, folks. Thanks so much. We're rolling here, baby. And for the patrons, think about joining patron, folks. Gus got another solo coming. He's gonna he's gonna be unbelievable on Saturday. I got I got I got two great stories. Two I great stories. We, we got an extra pod coming. We got t-shirts and the huddle, the whole thing. Patreon.com, the YouTube channel, Twitter for us. Screen the screener. We're going year round. Let's go. Salancha, gratulacia, cheers, arigato.